Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and of course, being healthy out there. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be uh, we're changing it up a little bit. We're going to be focusing on something that, you know, I kind of talk about on the podcast. I sprinkle in here and there. Uh, it's the Latin influence on the game of baseball as we see it today and how it kind of really got there. I mean, we're, we're going to talk uh, a lot about that coming up next here with uh, my special guest, MLB.com national reporter Jesse Sanchez will be joining us to help with that conversation. Uh, we're also going to be talking about top prospects, the top 50 international prospects were released earlier this week. We're going to talk about that as well. Got a lot to talk about, but as we're talking about the international prospect, I mean, look around the game of baseball, right? I mean, it is a beautiful thing to see, for me anyway, because I am, as I'm sure I've shared on the podcast before, and if you know me personally, I, I am Latino. Right, I, I am uh, Peruvian. My family uh, is is Peruvian and Nicaraguense. Dad's side, uh, my dad is from, actually born in Nicaragua, and uh, my mom, her parents were born in Lima, Peru. So, my roots, I I am Latino, and I'm proud of it. And it just makes me even more proud, more so when I look around the game of baseball. And obviously, I mean, we go back, and you can't have a conversation about Latin players unless you talk, you have to talk about Roberto Clemente. I mean, this was the guy that kind of set the standard that every Latin player that that funnels through MLB, you ask them who their hero was growing up, especially if they're Puerto Rican descent, you ask them who their player was, is Roberto Clemente, right? I mean, as as we go further along, Maybe that changes, but Roberto Clemente meant a lot to a lot of, of Latin players and Latin community. I mean, I, I he, he's my favorite player for, for multiple reasons. I never saw him play. The highlights, sure. But you know what comes with being a Roberto Clemente. You know it's not only about the stats when you talk about Roberto Clemente. You talk about... The, uh, you know, the impact that he left on many lives, right? Of being a great human being, which is why they give out the Roberto Clemente Award every year. We have Roberto Clemente Day coming up in September here in a couple of weeks. So that's why I kind of want to want to change the, the conversation a little bit as, you know, we talk about baseball all the time. But I wanted to get this conversation out there with the Latin influence on the game of baseball. Because you look around the game today. Right, the the diversity that we have in the game today, because it's not only Latin players, but that's just going to be my focus. But I mean, hell, look at the guy who is leading in. Who is the favorite to win the AL MVP in Shohei Otani? Right, I mean, it is just great. Baseball is that one sport that is international. It is played everywhere, and especially when you go to the Latin countries. I mean, look at the look at the game today. I mean, the young talent 
that we have. It, it just puts a smile on my face when I start to look through, uh, because obviously you can go back and 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 look at the history of these players. I mean, hell, ju- just recently, this week, Miguel Cabrera hit his fifth 500th home run. Right, and he was one of those international signing guys. He was one of those guys. He was signed in 1999. Do you guys remember what you were doing in 1999? <laughs> I, I, I was probably like, I was five years old. <laughs> in, in, no, I wasn't. What the hell? I was born in 1992. I was, I was seven years old. Sorry. Wow. My math was off on that. A lot of fives. I'm thinking about the 500th home run of, of Miggy. But when you see that happen, you, you just tend to remember about the greatness of Latin players. I mean, when you look at the history of just the country of Venezuela, is Miguel Cabrera the best guy to come out of that country? And, I mean, you see him hit the 500th home run. Where do you rank him among all-time Latin position players? He's destined... For Cooperstown, I think I think there's no question. If, if, if there's a question in your mind whether or not Miggy is a Hall of Famer, then, then I question your uh, capacity of being a, a baseball fan. I, I, I would I would very highly question your thought process if there's a question in your mind that make that Miggy isn't a Hall of Famer, but. So you look at Miggy, you see what he's done. His uh, his resume, so to speak. He's been doing it, again, he was signed in 1999. He's been doing it all those years. What, 16, 16 17 plus in, in major leagues, I think is, uh, is, is what Miggy is at as far. Let me, let me pull up his re- baseball reference page. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this guy has done it for a long period of time. And you get to see history unfold with Miguel Cabrera. He hits his 500th home run. And yes, 19 years. So almost two decades worth of baseball. Came in when he was 20 years old. So, I mean, when you look at the game today and you see where Miggy ended up, I would say that the future of baseball is in good hands. Because, I mean, not only we're going to talk about these top 50 international prospects with Jesse Sanchez of MLB.com coming up, but look at who's in the game today. Look at who's playing now. Look who's on the field now. You got Juan Soto. Ronald Acuna, he's not on the field, but when he is on the field, my God. Dude is amazing. Got Vlad Jr. tearing it up. If it wasn't for Otani, another international signing, by the way. If it wasn't for Otani, Vlad Jr. would be all over that AL MVP. Fernando Tatis, dude's playing with a, with a broken shoulder, and he still has power, more power than half the guys in the league. So, I mean, you look just around the league, and the influence is there. And it's, it never really went away, but it's just on more display now because 
all these guys. Who's the oldest one out of all of them? I mean, is it Acuna? Who's the oldest? And he's what, 24? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and he might be 24. I don't even know how old Acuna is. But is that is that the youngest or the oldest guy out of this group of young, talented players? And then just go back to last year. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a fluky year. It was 60 games. Jose Abreu wins the AL MVP. He was an international signing not too long ago. So you just go up and down the line. Who's going to be that next Mickey? Who's going to be that next Miguel Cabrera that we're talking about in two decades? If I had to put my money on it, honestly, it, it would have to be, for me, it would have to be Ronald Acuna or Vlad Jr. Tatis, he, he has a lot of injury issues. Hopefully he can correct that. And Juan Soto, unfortunately, I mean, unless he leaves Nat, uh, Washington, uh, I just I just don't see him getting the notoriety. But Ronald Acuna, Vlad Jr., because of who his dad was, everybody already knew who Vlad Jr. was when he got signed, <laughs> when, he, when he entered the international signing period. There was so much hype around him. Ronald Acuna, I mean, that guy is just special. And I can't wait to see him next year. But you look around the league. The Latinos, you can stand proudly because you are well represented in the game of baseball. So we got a lot to talk about coming up next. We have Jesse Sanchez, national reporter for MLB.com. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Passion for the Pastime. Your host, Walter, here. Now, I want to welcome my very special guest, have a very special uh, episode set up for you guys, national reporter for MLB.com, Jesse Sanchez. Jesse, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, Walter. Thanks for having me, man. I'm great. I'm great. It's only 1,000 degrees in Phoenix right now, so uh, <laughs> it's nice and cool. Yeah. How, you, how, you, uh, how do you deal with the heat year-round, man? It never stops. You know what? It's the summers that are really brutal. Yeah. I mean, so basically we have summer one, summer two, summer three, and summer four. So summer four is the rough one. But, oh, you know, come, come October, it's beautiful here, man. I mean, I'm really not supposed to tell people that because we want everybody to think how miserable it is. <laughs> but I'm telling you, October, November, December, you know, spring training, if you've been here for that, January, February, March, man, it's, it's beautiful, you know. Again, uh, I'm not supposed to be letting out the – Secret. I'm supposed to tell everybody how brutal and horrible it is to live in Phoenix, but uh, those those months of the year, man, are really great. Yeah, no, I I definitely love uh, Phoenix and uh, Scottsdale. Mainly Scottsdale is where I hang out uh, in in the March months for uh, spring training. I love going down there. Uh, but yeah, we we want to tell everyone. Yeah, it's it's miserable. Don't go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we we want to keep it to ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's beautiful, man. I'm not even from here, and there's a lot of people from all over here. So yeah. uh, the secret's out. The secret's out. <laughs> well, Jesse, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, I wanted to spend time just talking on, uh, you know, I don't really get to do this too much, is is talking about the Latin influence in the game of baseball. And uh, I don't know, real quick, uh, have you noticed the the uh, the trend in the City Connect jerseys? Because over there in Arizona, they had the Los Serpientes uh, jerseys come out for those. 
And uh, the Dodgers most recently c- celebrating uh, Fernando Mania. They they had the Los Dodgers. You, you notice that going around uh, the game of baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the name of the jersey kind of speaks for itself, City Connect, right? You connect with the community. Right. And the, the reality is uh, baseball is pretty diverse. It can be pretty diverse. You know, there's 30% that are people you, call, you can say uh, foreign-born. Um, the majority are Spanish speakers. Um, baseball fans all across the country come from all different backgrounds, not just Spanish speaking, you know, all different backgrounds and all different languages. And, you know, uh, so those cities, Phoenix, uh, predominantly, you know, Mexican, Mexican American, a lot of Latinos here, the same thing in, in, in Los Angeles. Um, I think they're just, you know, representing, you know, the fans that come out. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, jerseys in a different language. And, and other languages going forward that represent the communities, man. And, that, and that's the beauty of baseball, right? Like we we say it's our, our national pastime, but really it belongs to the world. There are people all over the world playing baseball and, and people who live in the U.S. are from all over the world. So I think it's cool to see, uh, you know, the jerseys connect with the community. Yeah, I think it's very unique uh, in in baseball in that aspect because it is a worldwide sport, right? You kind of touched on that, and it's played everywhere. And you look around uh, just the stars of the game today. Yeah, we have a lot of Latin players, but, I mean, look at the guy who everyone is talking about who should win the AL MVP in Shohei Otani. Um, it's, you know, it, it's just a, a really nice time to be a baseball fan, to really enjoy the uh, the diversity that we have in the game today. No, you're exactly right, man. I think you nailed it. I think uh, folks are really appreciating just uh, how diverse the game is and just you know, how diverse the fan base is. And, and I think the cool thing about baseball is that like, there's a place for all of us. You know what I mean? There's a place from, for all of us who are from different communities. There's a place for all of us who are the hardcore fans, right? And there's a place for all of us who are the casual fans. Maybe just go once a summer or you take your – kid or, or your daughter or, or moms or or whatever um you know that's the beauty of baseball man there, there's a piece and a place for everybody yeah and and for me i mean i'm a giants fan grew up in san francisco i would have liked to see the los gigantes jersey but it's it's okay we, we get that on on uh, on latin heritage night uh, i'm not sure when that is but it should be coming up um but the the, the los dodgers right um they just they debuted that last week What's the story behind? Because I really enjoyed the Latin influence jerseys uh, that have been coming around in, in baseball in recent years. Uh, what's the story behind Fernando Mania? Because those of us who uh, were born a little later, we we weren't grown up into that era of uh, Fernando Valenzuela uh, in that time frame. So, what was the story behind Fernando Mania? Why was it? Why did it take off so so well? Okay, well, I'll give you a little background because it's like talking about hey. Uh it's just talking about one of the most historical figures and events in like the history of the game. Right. Right. So it's kind of hard to nail that down just in a couple of minutes that we have, but I mean, I, we did write a story on MLB.com, uh, Fernando mania, uh, it's actually on the top of it's in my Twitter page. You can find it. I think we wrote five or 6,000 words on just the significance of what he means. Um, short version, you know, Fernando came along, he was a rookie in 1981 and he went 8-0 and with a ridiculous ERA and he captured the nation. He captured the attention of the nation because there was a guy who was basically a no-name guy, came out of Mexico, he was just a young man and he just dominated. And it was at a time where Latinos were really starting to 
go to the ballpark. So not only was he so amazing on the mound, he just connected with a lot of different Latino communities and not just in LA, just across the country and then across the globe. So it was basically a, a global phenomenon. It was this guy who, who kind of looks like us, you know, he, he wasn't like cut or built or whatever. He kind of had a normal body and he was out there doing his thing. And it really inspired a generation of fans. It continues to inspire folks. Um, even now, you know, he does Dodgers TV and he, you know, Spanish TV and Dodgers Spanish radio. And, you know, when he's out on the concourse, he's continued to be mom. I mean, he's one of the most historical, impactful figures in baseball. Only because, And the main reason is because he opened the game or helped open to a game to a segment of society, uh, the Latinos, that were always baseball fans. But I think once Fernando came, um, it just kind of elevated that fan base even more. You know, so on the baseball field, you know, what he did, you know, going 8-0, and no, you know, help win the World Series. He did all kinds of stuff throughout his career. Threw a no-hitter, you know, um, a, a lot of amazing stuff. Threw 250 innings almost every year. Um, does that speak for itself, right? But then you think about the cultural impact that what he did for the baseball. He opened up a fan base. He made, he allowed people to identify with someone on the field. And uh, there's just a passion for Fernando and a respect for Fernando. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to write the story about him is because he is so humble. He never talks about himself, you know? So it was really cool to reach out to former teammates, you know, reach out to, you know, MLB historian, reach out to even like the comedian, George Lopez, just all these people who he impacted and ha that he changed their lives, that he inspired all these different people. You know, they spoke for him because the reality is, He's kind of a man of a few words. He's just really about action and performing and, you know, trying to get the job done. But uh, I don't know that's kind of a short version, but I encourage anyone who doesn't know the history to read our story on him, um, do homework on Fernando, because, uh, you know, there's a case to be made that he could be in the Hall of Fame one day. Only, maybe his numbers don't match up. I know we're in an era where, you know, we're about number crunching and comparative numbers and statistical analysis and all that. And when you look at him from that lens, he doesn't qualify. He, he's not going to make it. Uh, the period he had wasn't long enough. But when you think about kind of global impact, impact on the sport, uh, what he meant for the game and what he means, what he meant for the history of the game and the president of the game, you know, that's where folks who want Fernando in the Hall of Fame make their case. We're talking with Jesse Sanchez of MLB.com, and we're talking Latin influence here, mainly uh, on Fernando Venezuela right here. But, I mean, hell, you look, in, you look into the game today now. Like, we have uh, a lot of players that maybe even stemmed from uh, watching a Valenzuela, at the, maybe not that, at that time, but, you know, they know the history of uh, Latinos in, in baseball. And being a fellow Latino, I love watching – uh, these players, especially the youth that we have uh, coming up. You go to Juan Soto, you have uh, Ronald Acuna, Vlad Jr., Fernando Tati. I mean, the, 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 the list goes on. What, what is the reasoning? Is there an explanation as to why there is just a great surge of young talent in uh, the Latin countries right now? You know, I really think you cannot tell the story of baseball without talking about the uh, impact Latino players have had on, you know, all the way back from the Felipe Luz in the 50s. You know, you guys know him. Mm -hmm. 
as Giants fans. And, and that generation through the 70s, uh, you know, Vlad Sr., Vlad Guerrero Sr., uh, Roberto Clemente, you know, uh, Sandy Alomar, all, all, all the – Pudge Rodriguez. I mean, all the names are, like, yeah. coming to my head as I think about it. But uh, I think one reason you're going to see in a lot of young – recent Latino young international players is clubs are really focused on international talent. It's like, you know, general managers, general managers, you think about the draft, you think about off season trades, you think about big league trades, you think about minor league trades, you think about rule five, you think about international acquisitions. It's just something you have to deal with. It's something every capable general manager or front office, understands that these are players who can really help us. They can either help us in the big league or they can help us as we put them in trade to acquire big leaguers. So I think you're seeing, in addition to just being a, a, a talented group out there, because there's always talent, you know, in Latin America and the Caribbean, what you're seeing now is all 30 teams who are focused on the international game. And they, they just understand that, uh, in order for us to be successful as an organization, either we're going to need to get as many players from as many different places as possible. High school players, college players, international players, minor league players. I mean, to be a good general manager, that has to be part of your soup. You know, so I think what you're seeing now is uh, all teams just focus on the international players. We're talking with Jesse Sanchez of MLB.com. And as we're talking about international players, um, it was released the top 50 international prospects. Uh, how, what goes into these rankings? What, what's the main criteria that, uh, that you look at uh, when ranking these, these young teenagers? So let me tell you a little, a little background on the international, top 50 international prospects list. We do that every year at MLB.com and MLBpipeline.com. And basically, it's a ranking of the international players, primarily from the Caribbean and Latin America, who are going to sign during the next international period. You know, the next international period is scheduled to start in January. Normally, it's on July 2nd, but because of the pandemic, you know, that's moved a little bit. The, the schedule has changed. Um, so these kids, they signed at age 16. That's when they start their professional career. They, they signed at age 16. They go into academy, a team's academy. Say, for example, say the Giants sign a prospect in January. They'll send them to their academy in the Dominican Republic. Um, they'll decide if they want to send them to Scottsdale um, early in their career. But a lot of times what they're doing is, you know, they let them play Dominican Summer League, which is part of their one of their first introductions to pro baseball. And they'll play there for like a year or 18 months and, and they'll, they'll make their way to the United States at 17 or 18. And that's when they start the class A, the low A, rookie league kind of stuff. So what we do at MLB.com is we rank, you know, there's 50, which is difficult because they're 50 from all over. They're from the Dominican. They're from Cuba. They're from Bahamas, Venezuela, you know, um, uh, all these different places. And we rank them. Uh, we speak to scouts. We speak to scouting directors. We talk to agents. We talk to the players themselves. It's, it's a big project that basically it's a year-long project to try to get as much information as we can to do a ranking for these kids who are going to sign when they turn 16 and they sign in January. And, and, and that's really uh, kind of the grassroots. 
and that's the beginning of where of where these players start their careers. And um, you know, Fernando Tatis signed during the international signing period. Juan Soto signed during the international signing period. Vlad Jr. signed. I mean, you can look in the up and down, you know, the rosters of major league, you know, major league rosters and the international players, they signed during the international signing period. So what we do is we rank them um, and kind of put them on folks' radar so they can follow them as they sign and then all the way through their minor league and all the way through their, uh, you know, big league career. On a real quick note, you know, Wander Franco, the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, rookie, he was our number one guy not that long ago. And, you know, the fans were able to see him as our number one player and then follow him as he made his way through the minor leagues, which is very brief. And then he made his big league debut this year. So fans have been able to follow him for, you know, four years already, five years, and he's just 20 years old. Who, who is that top prospect? <laughs> who is that Wander Franco uh, coming into this upcoming international signing period? Who's that uh, top prospect that you guys have listed? Well, right now we have our, our number one guy since Roderick Arias. You know, he's a, he's our top international prospect. You know, he's, Basically, basically the consensus number one. You know, he, he's a shortstop. There's so much to like about him, and he's great on defense. He's a plus arm. Um, you know, really looks effortless out there. You know, at the plate, there's you know above average bat to ball skills. You know, all kinds of stuff that scouts like. Right? We can go into scout speak all day and just tell you who he is. But I think the best way to really enjoy these young players is. Just watch them as they come up. You know, watch their videos as they come up. And, you know, again, here on MLB.com, we have, you know, scouting reports for all of them. We have their state of birth. We have video. We have all kinds of, all the information you need on, on the top 50 players. And and that includes some, some players that are that should sign with the Giants. I mean, nothing is done for sure. But there's some players out there who the Giants are, are, are viewing and evaluating um so it's just a really fun and a cool period well and most recently uh, uh just going off on the giants uh you know we have Mar- marco luciano and elliot ramos who are going through the uh through the the minor league system right now um so i mean that's just a little taste of what could possibly come from the from the upcoming um, international signing period, and and I mean even also Oscar uh, Colas, I, I saw that he he is uh, listed number five. They were talking about him being the Cuban Otani, uh, but he's no longer right. pitching, right? He's no longer pitching. But is right. is there a possibility that he possibly resumes back to pitching? You know, I mean, you never say never, right? right. Uh, especially in baseball, and especially in life. Uh, <laughs> but I think he, what he's going to do, he's going to focus on being an outfielder. He can still pitch. Um, who knows? Maybe he does mop up duty, but I, I don't think he's going to go into, you know, his pro career as a pitcher. But one thing I want to kind of circle back, you mentioned Marco Luciano. Um, you're, and you mentioned being a Giants fan and, and a lot of folks from the Giants listen to this. He's the next person. He's the next one. He's the one we expect to be possibly the next type of Wander Franco because he's that kind of talent you know, that kind of trajectory. Um, he's been on the radar since he was 14 or 15 years old. And he's one of the people that people are really, that folks are really paying attention to. So I encourage you and, and your listeners to, you know, check up on, on, on Marco, follow him along because it won't be very long where you're going to 
Well, you're going to see him in the big leagues. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've been following him for a couple of years already. He's just, you know, 18 or 19. Or, you know, he's still a really young man. But uh, in the future, he's going to be someone that I think Giants fans can get behind. And that's the plan anyway. Yeah, I had the opportunity to see him a few times um, in in person in Stockton when he was out in my neck of the woods, and uh, I I went to San Jose to try to see him, but it, I timed it wrong, and it was the Futures game the next day, so he was in Colorado, so, so I wasn't able to see him there. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, he's uh, moving on through the the system. I think now he's in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so he's just progressing through, and yeah, San Francisco Giants fans are gonna love uh, Fernando, uh, not Fernando Tatis. I mean, we 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 like Fernando Tatis, but we don't love him uh, like we're gonna love right. Marco, Marco Luciano, right? <laughs> but uh, Jesse, right. I just want to thank you for coming on. I know uh, we got to cut this short here. Still have plenty to talk about. Uh, maybe we'll we'll touch base uh, down the line. Uh, thank you for coming on, man. No, no, I'd appreciate that, and, and I'd love to circle back, and we can talk more about this. You know, obviously, the Latino influence on the game is uh, something that's really important. I think it's important. I think it's really cool that you're you're shedding light on it and allowing your you know your listeners to uh, think about that and kind of take it to the next level and just explore and do their own homework on it. Because uh, again, I'm, I'm going to say this all the time: it it is our national pastime, but but baseball is a global game and it belongs to the world. and And I think it's really cool that there's such a, a big international element to it all. Jesse, thank you for your time, man. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Jesse Sanchez, national reporter for MLB.com. Go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter at Jesse Sanchez MLB. Go ahead and check out all of his uh, content, all of his stories that he has done up to date. And as he mentioned earlier, Fernando Mania, that story pinned to the top of his Twitter feed. Go ahead and definitely check that out uh, to get the whole story behind Fernando Mania and how it still resonates with fans Today And also, as we mentioned, MLB Pipeline with the top 50 international prospects going into the international signing period uh, at the beginning of this year. Go ahead and check that out as well. Jesse Sanchez, a lot of great work. And we we didn't even get into, uh, you know, Miggy. We didn't even get into that. We had a lot to cover. And uh, this won't be the last time that we talk to Jesse on the podcast. I really want to thank him for coming on to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I sure did. Uh, as we, as I mentioned, we, we had a, a lot still to talk about. Uh, we'll talk to Jesse down the line. So you guys, be safe. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the baseball out there that is going on this weekend. And I'll talk to you next week. I'll talk to you next week as we enter into the month of September. And what a ride, what a month it is going to be the final month of baseball to figure. And we still have a lot to figure out before we get into October playoff baseball. So you guys have a good one, be safe, and I will talk to you next time.